Hello and welcome to Mother's Voice Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our other events, you can go to weriseinlove.com. Weriseinlove.com. Hello everyone, this is Monsef Afker and thank you so much for joining us in this new episode of Mother's Voice Podcast. Um, yeah, very glad to connect with you again here on the show. Um, so thank you so much for co-creating with us these really, really wonderful experiences and this this sacred space. So, um, and also very excited that Krista Cohen is 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 with us on the show for the first time. Um, really love her 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 story, her um, healing story, and also the the work that she's um, that she's doing in in helping mothers and. For those of you who are new to her, she is a certified TRE provider and yoga instructor and mother. She works to empower other mothers to break free from cycles of trauma using techniques rooted in neuroscience and focusing on compassion, self-love, and grace. She believes one of the greatest tools for transformation in is education and self-awareness and her coaching centers on that belief. And you can find her on her website, Krista, uh, KristaGoen.com. Krista, C-H-R-I-S-T-A, Goen, G-O-W-E-N.com. Um, so yeah, with that, Krista, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you with us here. Thank you, Monsef. I'm excited to chat with you. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, in, in, in the beginning, I, I would love if you can tell us um, a little bit about your um, healing story and how you healed from trauma and also panic attacks, because it, it's, it, it was a challenging journey, but also it can be very inspiring to, to our listeners. Sure. So there's lots of different parts of my story, but I can start with uh, the one that I sort of call my awakening to love which at first I didn't think was related to trauma. And then sort of after it happened, I realized, of course, that it was all connected. But it starts, this was many, many years ago, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition. And I had sort of done all of the things that I was supposed to to heal from that and to start feeling better. And I still wasn't, even after months of changing my diet and changing my lifestyle. And I was still really having a lot of symptoms that were interfering with my life. And I had this realization one day where I started thinking that kind of the way that my brain works is it's always looking for the root cause of things, right? I'm naturally a very curious person and I ask a lot of questions and I do this internally as well. And so I was thinking about what autoimmune meant and it's really the body attacking itself. And I couldn't figure out why my body would get the message that I was the enemy and it hit me and it was this really sort of divine intervention in my life where I realized that that was happening because I was fueling a message of subconscious self-hatred. And that was the message and signaling that I was sending out to my body. And then my body was actually doing exactly what I was telling it to do, which was attack the enemy. It's just that the enemy in this case was me. And for me, that manifested as celiac disease. And, and I'm not saying that this is how it is for everyone with autoimmune conditions, but I know that this was part of what the problem, if you can say, was for me. And as soon as I had that realization that I was holding on to and um, 
really, you know, perpetuating this message of self-hatred, I was able to do something about it and I was able to interrupt it and bring light to it. And that's why this component of self-awareness is so critical in the coaching that I do because I've seen the power of this in my own life. And this really set me off on a journey of doing some deeper personal exploration and, and kind of digging in further on some other symptoms that I had been experiencing, like really chronic anxiety and panic attacks. And that sort of led me down a road of, of really wanting to root those out. And I got to this place where, again, I had sort of done all of the things that you're supposed to do to deal with those symptoms. And yet I was still having them and my life was still, you know, just my quality of life sucked and I didn't feel very good. And I, I was really sick of it, right? It had been you know, many, many years, I can remember having my first panic attack when I was 12 years old. And I got to this place where I had done a lot of talk therapy, which was very helpful and, you know, saved my life at different points. But I kind of got to this place where I didn't feel like I had anything left to talk about, but I was still having these symptoms. And again, I started thinking, you know, root cause, like what's happening, what's going on here. And it kind of dawned on me again, that, my panic attacks and my anxiety symptoms were all very physical. And yet I was trying to go to therapy and talk about them. And it hit me that I was having a physical experience, but I wasn't approaching things using my physical body as part of the healing. And that led me to this place of sort of surrendering to the universe to say, all right, I need help. Send me something that's going to help me work with my body. I've figured it out. Like I got the, I got the signal. I need to include my body in this conversation of healing. So, so give me the thing I need. And again, I sort of had this divine intervention where TRE, which again is tension and trauma releasing exercises, came across my path and I tried it and I, I tremored. We can talk more about what TRE is, but it's, it's shaking or tremoring in the body. And I did that for the first time. And it was like, it was like a light bulb went off that that's exactly what I had been missing and exactly what I was needing. And since discovering that uh, it's been five or six years now, I, I can't remember. I have to think about that, uh, but it's been a while. It's been many years and I haven't had a panic attack since. And my quality of life has improved immensely. And it's allowed me to uh, deep dive even further into doing some trauma healing. So does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, it really does. Thank you so much for, for sharing about that. And really, I, I feel it's it's really inspiring. And also, I love that you mentioned the, the importance of, of self-awareness because it, it can really change everything. And we can really shift from, from confu confusion and not having the clarity about what's going on to really like knowing the path where we, where we need to go, what we need to do um, to heal ourselves. And uh, yeah, and also it, it helps us to, to take responsibility of what we are experiencing. And then it, it, it just makes um, the healing journey much more uh, graceful. And uh, yes, yeah, so, so I would love if you can tell us more about TRE because it, it really feels uh, so powerful and it can, it can help, really help deeply with the, with the healing. Sure. And I will say that TRE is something that not a lot of people have heard about. I sort of mm -hmm. joke that we in the TRE uh, world need better PR <laughs> because more. I think that more people could benefit from this and I think more people need to know about it. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak about it. Um, 
But so again, it's tension and trauma releasing exercises. And the idea is that it's a set of physical exercises that are done to initiate a natural shaking mechanism that the body is capable of doing. And this shaking mechanism in the TRE community, we call it tremoring, is actually a built-in piece of your nervous system. It's a built-in stress discharge capacity, right? So it's a way that your body innately can help burn off survival hormones after your nervous system has been triggered into activation. So if you think about your nervous system getting triggered into a state of like fight or flight, right? We all have experienced that before and we know what that feels like in our body, right? We get a surge of survival energy and hormones, things like adrenaline and cortisol that start coursing through our body and prepare us to either be able to fight or to flight and run away. And that gives our body a lot of energy and it it redirects our um, energy to certain parts of our body so that our heart beats faster and our lungs quicken and our muscles tighten up so that we have what we need to be able to carry out the stress response. The problem is, is that the modern world we live in, most of the things that are deemed by our survival brain as stressful aren't the kinds of things that our ancestors dealt with. And they're not the kinds of things that actually need to be resolved through fighting or flighting. Instead, they're the types of things like overflowing email inboxes. They are 24-7 news cycles. They are living in a global pandemic. They're trying to parent while you're also trying to set your kids up with remote school. And then you're trying to do work remotely without childcare because everything's shut down, right? It's these things that we're sort of dealing with in modern life that our nervous system isn't really equipped to handle because we get these these activations and then we don't discharge them. And so one of the ways that our body is actually able to do that innately is through this shaking, right? And this is also something that a lot of people have experienced. They just didn't recognize what was going on. But for those of us that are, well, not me, I'm not afraid of public speaking, but for those of you that may be afraid of public speaking, where you shake before you have to do that, or times that you have been in like a small accident, or you hear sirens, or you've been pulled over and you shake, or times that you um, have been scared and you shake, we think of those things as being signs of weakness, right? And really they're just our body dealing with those extra survival hormones as a way to burn it off essentially. And so when we don't do that, we end up sort of trapping those emotions and those physical sensations in our body. And that starts to wreak havoc over time. And it can leave us in a chronically activated state, which we know research shows us that chronically activated nervous system states are also correlated with chronically activated immune system states, which can lead to things like chronic inflammation, which we also know can lead to chronic disease. Things like heart disease, right, are associated with inflammation. Alzheimer's, we now know, is associated with inflammation. And so you can see how these things over time when we don't allow ourselves to properly deactivate and sort of come out of a stress response can start to add up and they can start to have a domino effect where it really affects not only our mental and emotional well-being, but it can also affect our physical well-being. 
And so TRE is a wonderful way to be able to go in and create sort of a safe space when you work with a certified provider to be able to tap into that wisdom of the body and start to allow some of that healing wisdom to come out. And your body has this incredible capacity for regulating itself when it's given the right opportunity. And that's what TRE is all about is providing that opportunity and space for yourself so that you can reconnect to that wisdom. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's really really interesting. I really love that. And um, I have a question: Is uh, like when when we use TRE, for example, if if we are in in a situation of of, of stress, and we use the TRE uh, exercises, does it shift the, the the our way of being, um, our, our state of being, like uh, instantly, or like with with time? The more we do the exercises, we will feel more comfortable with uh, those uh, stressful situations. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great question. And the answer is that it can do both. So it can help you to feel better in the moment, but it also helps over time. And so the thing is, is that because all of our systems are different, for some people, it can help immediately, right? That was my experience is that the first time I experienced this shaking on purpose, I felt instant relief. And it, it like I said, it you know changed the direction and course of my life. For other people, it's slower and it takes longer practicing it. And it can be, you know, over the course of weeks or months before they start to notice the benefits. So it can be either way, uh, but it definitely it's the other thing, too, is that it's definitely working on your system sort of behind the scenes. And you're not always aware of the changes that it's making, but those can start to become cumulative where all of a sudden you sort of realize that there's things in your life that have changed for the better that you may not have really been aware of as they were happening. But then all of a sudden you realize, you know what, that, that chronic pain that I had in my elbow is now gone, or my insomnia seems to be better, or, you know, my kids aren't triggering me as often. And it's, it can sort of be an accumulation of the effect over time. So it can really, it can work on both in both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's in interesting. Thank you so much for, for sharing about that. And uh, yeah, also I would love uh, to know uh, how TRE helps you through your um, motherhood journey. Um, like, did you learn about it like before becoming a mother or, or after that? I did, I learned before I became a mother. So I, I very intentionally sort of waited to have children. I knew that I had a lot of baggage and a lot of inherited family trauma that I didn't want to pass on to my kids. And mm. I knew that I really wanted to be consciously bringing them into the world after having had an opportunity to do some of that healing. And so luckily and fortunately for me, I was able to find TRE before my son was born. And that helped me to be in a better state of regulation. It helped me to be able to, you know, face the stressors of early motherhood with a, with a greater compassion for myself, with a greater understanding of my nervous system and how it is designed to work, right? So I'm often um, coaching clients through what I call nervous system literacy, which is literally understanding some of these innate mechanisms of your body so that you can cultivate things like greater self-compassion. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to sort of start in on that path before having children so that it's made it 
easier for me to one, incorporate TRE into my life now because I'm not having to learn it as a new skill, but also to fall back on the fact that it really does help regulate me when I am starting to feel overwhelmed by life or motherhood or both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really love that. And also, like, like I, I totally agree, agree with you when we have this awareness about our, our situation, our own um, challenges, like it really can help with the relationship, relationship with, with the kids, firstly, and also with, with others. And it really can shift totally how, how, um, how to say, like the way we communicate, the way we can understand others, because we don't, how do we don't, we don't try to reflect what's going on inside into others. So it's, it's more about, uh, understanding ourselves and, and others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's been my experience too. And actually one of the most beautiful gifts of really focusing on my own dynamic self-care, which is the coaching framework that I use, which includes this concept of self, you know, really actively working on self-compassion. And what's been so beautiful about that is that, you know, oftentimes this idea of self-care and taking time to do things for yourself, especially as mothers, is still really, you know, looked down on. And we don't make we don't make space to support moms doing that. And I I that's something that I would love to see shift. I think that paradigm needs to be rewritten. And the thing is, is that when we actually take the time to care for ourselves, to meet our needs, to have compassion for ourselves it doesn't stop with us, right? It spills out over our water's edge. It makes it easier for us to have compassion and grace and love for others as well. It makes us better partners and spouses. It makes us better coworkers. It makes us better friends. It makes us better parts of our family. It makes us better parents when we can take the time to care for ourselves. So it's not selfish. It's actually the most giving thing that you can do because it gives both to yourself and everyone around you. It helps you to find the common humanity in others when you can reflect on those things in your own self, right? When you can start to see and judge yourself with more kindness and hold yourself a little bit more tenderly and gently, you can then offer that to others as well. And it's this beautiful thing that just, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going and and then makes the world a better place for you and for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. It's, uh, as you say, um, especially for mothers, there is this um, this feeling of of guilt, but communicating their needs and expressing um, that they need time for themselves to to care for themselves is, is very essential for others, and they they will feel it with them. They they will feel they will see it in in how you uh, they relate to them, and and also it's it can help them to to understand the importance of of self care as well, because like nowadays it's because of the 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 fast pace of life, it's we don't give like so much importance uh, to to self care, and yeah, mothers can can be such a great example to to others. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I understand why it doesn't happen too, right? Because we have this. The way that we live is not how we're designed to work. We're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, mothers are trying to be and do everything for everyone. And the reality is, is that we can't, and that's not sustainable. And we're sort of asked to do that when we live in 
you know, single family nuclear households where we don't have a lot of support from the sort of quote unquote village, you know, that doesn't exist in the same way that it did historically. And without that, there's, you know, in that void, mothers have to pick up the slack. And it means that there's not a lot of time for us to have space for some of these things. And and so I can understand why it happens. And I also understand why that needs to change. It's the reason that I do the work that I do, right? To be able to help mm-hmm. mothers to be able to have that first, the mindset shift, and then find the ways that they can shift that in the reality of their lives, finding space and carving out, you know, the places where they can meet their needs, but it's not easy. And we need this to change on, on a greater social level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you, like about the way we live now, it's, it's, it's not sustainable and it's, it's, it's more about doing and doing and doing. And at some, at some point, like we, we can't keep um, going like that. It's, we feel our energy draining and, um, and it's really important to to slow down. Um, that's maybe we have some limited beliefs that slowing down means missing out or not being responsible. But it's really what can help us to to leap forward and to create more um, on the on the long term. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's really important to change this 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 mindset. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, and I think that part of the reason that part of what the problem is, is that we have this deeply ingrained belief that productivity is tied to our worth. And I know even for myself, this is something that I still have to contend with on a daily basis and be very aware of Mm -hmm. because we're told that in that our worth is based on what we can contribute through our productivity. And so there's that, there's that piece of it. And then the second piece of it is that we don't value the work of mothering, right? So being home and raising children and tending for small humans who are, you know, completely dependent upon us for their survival, we don't value that as productive work. So we have this like double-edged sword of we need to be productive in order to be deemed worthy by society and society doesn't value the work that we do as being productive. So it's it's like lose-lose under the the current social beliefs, right? We don't, women and mothers are not valued for doing this. And anyone that's, that's parented small children and, and it's fathers too. It's not just mothers, it's parents in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously I I can only speak to the experience of being a mom, Um, but it's not easy work, right? This is, it's a lot of energy and effort and patience and kindness and, sleeplessness to be able to raise small children and to do that alone or in a paired partnership, like just with one or two people, as opposed to, again, having a village of, you know, multiple hands and hearts and eyes to watch and care and hold the babies. It, it makes it a lot more difficult than it needs to be and is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you about that. It's about motherhood and, and parenting in general. It's it's like it, there is so so much expectations from from them from society, and it's and there is not like 
you don't see acknowledgement of of what they are doing, the work they are doing, and the contribution they are doing, uh, raising the kids. Um, and like you said, it it can be really really uh, challenging at times. Um, but it's it became like it's like society uh, seeing it as a normal thing. It's it just that they expect them to do that, but they don't acknowledge that. But we need we need the awareness about uh, about that, and maybe see more encouragement and more acknowledgement of of um, what parents are doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm always saying that alteration follows awareness, and so, and that really holds true for so many things. And I think this is another one of those examples where we need to start being aware of all the ways in which, you know we as parents are really undervalued so that we can have these kinds of conversations with the hopes of changing them. We can't change what we don't know to change. And so we really have to recognize how much of a problem it truly is so that we can start to shift that. I mean, in the United States, it's like, if you look at, you know, things like maternity leave or even paternity leave, which basically doesn't exist, but even maternity leave is, it's a joke, right? Women are expected to create a human, birth a human, and then go back to work and be contributing members of society after six weeks. It's it's okay. insane. Mm-hmm. And then they're expected to take those six weeks without any kind of payment, right? They're supposed to be like without any paid maternity leave. And they're supposed to just do that and then be okay to leave their children while they go back to work. That's mm-hmm. just not okay. Like we need to live in a world where if You know, if the woman and the mom chooses to do that, then she should have that choice. But that shouldn't be the default of what it is. You know, and that's just one tiny example of how mothers are undervalued. But it's it's so much more than that. And I think that's why I appreciate these kinds of conversations, because I think the more that we can have that, the more we can hope to work towards changing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And. Yeah, I, I love the the I like the example of, for example, of uh, Poland, the country Poland, how they uh, they deal with this. Like they give one year uh, maternity leave, and then the 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 company where the mother was working, uh, they don't um, they they are not allowed to to fire the mothers for for two years. So the mother can come back and work for one year, and then they can, if if they want to to work together, they can stay. If not, they can find. Uh, like Edin, and I would love to see more and more of, uh, like that in in other in other countries. And uh, yeah, so um, I also have another question about uh, TRE. Um, does it also help with with um, physical pain, or is it more about emotional uh, pain? Um, no, it can absolutely help with physical pain because again, they're connected, right? So we often think of our body and our mind as being two separate things. And the reality is, is there's no separation. We separate them and break them down because in Western society, we tend to compartmentalize things, but they're definitely connected. And so TRE definitely impacts both areas of of yourself and can definitely help with things like chronic pain. That's actually one of the things that it's um, really good at doing is helping to to root some of that stuff out and move it out through your system so that you're not dealing with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, th- thank you so much. Thank you so much, Krista, for, for this 
all this inspiration and information. Um, yeah, I really love this. I, I loved all the information you shared, whether about motherhood and also about TRE, which was which is really really powerful. And uh, before we end our our call, I would love if um, if you have any if you can share any final message with uh, mothers who are listening to us. Sure. So you know, my message to moms that are listening is that if you are not alone and that it can sometimes feel like that, especially if you are on a journey of what I call, so I facilitate what I call a virtual village and it's a, it's a Facebook group that I host. Um, and it's for radical mothers. And I call radical mothers, those of us who know deep down in our bones that in order to give our kids a better life, we have to give ourselves a better life first. And I created this because this is what I needed in my own life and I couldn't find it. And so I just want my message to everyone out there listening. If you resonate with that, we exist. There's others like you. You are not alone. I know that you're doing lonely work, but you don't have to do it alone. And there are ways that we can connect even in the world these days with everything that's going on, it's still possible to find these connections. And through that, we can really help support and empower and inspire one another by having these kinds of conversations and discussing and addressing these issues so that we can change them. Because I truly believe that when women are empowered and can change their lives, it changes the world for the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Krista. Uh, very grateful to you again. And um, again, everyone, you can find Krista uh, on her website, kristagoen.com. Krista, C-H-R-I-S-T-A, Goen, G-O-W-E-N.com. And uh, can they find you in other places? Yes. So like I said, I do have that Facebook group. So if you search for the Radical Mother Project on Facebook, that'll pull it up. There's also links to it on my website, but you can find me in those uh, in those two places. Wonderful. So yeah, the, also the, the, the Facebook group uh, link will be added to the episode uh, descriptions. So whether on the web, you are listening on the website or on one of the podcast platform, you will find the, the link. So yeah. Thank you again, Krista, and uh, thank you again, um, everyone. We're grateful to you for, for listening to us. And um, yeah, so, so with that, I'm sending you so much love, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone. If you'd like to learn more about our other events, you can go to weriseinlove.com. We rise in love.com. We rise in love.com.